Hello, and welcome to another Fixed Medical Group podcast. My name is Dr. Patrick Gugarola, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Samuel Wagg. Today, we are going to be talking about consistency, or better yet, consistency is king. It's all about making change in our body. It does take time, right, Sam? That is very true. But more importantly, it really comes down to consistency, not just looking at that overall timeline, like what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, it's just being consistent hitting the ground, running day to day. And that's what we're going to do today. All right. So we're going to start it off. We're going to break it down into three separate compartments. But the first one we're going to cover, and it's a very big one, is diet. It's nutrition. So let's talk about it. What is the biggest misconception when it comes to consistency when we're talking about our nutrition or a dietary lifestyle? Thanks, Pat. Um, I think of the biggest uh, misconception that we see a lot or we hear you know, in the media is People look at nutrition as really being calories in, calories out. Uh, I remember even in school having a professor say, it's simple. If you want to lose weight, it's just less calories. Mind you, he did not teach a nutrition class. But uh, <laughs> that is, uh, I think, what a lot of people think. If we want to weigh less, we just need to take in less calories. And at the end of the day, that's not true. Um, if it was true, all these diet foods and low fat and low calorie snacks that we see, we probably wouldn't be seeing as many people struggling with their health and their body image as much, but no, it's not all about those calories. Right. It'd be much easier. Um, if that was the case, because then we can just count and then the calories themselves, meaning what they're made up of wouldn't matter so much, but, uh, I'm going to give a simple example of why this isn't true. If we take something like fat, which is uh, very villainized, uh, because especially when we talk about calories in, calories out, fat is the most nutrient-dense macro, meaning it has the most calories. So it's easy to point to that one and say we don't need to have as much fat or we don't want to have as much fat because you wouldn't be able to take in as much. However, fat is really, really important in our body, and our body has a lot of processes that require this fat. All of the cells in our body are made of fat. A huge percentage of our brain is made of fat. And all the cholesterol in our body is made of fat. And we need that cholesterol to produce our hormones and a lot of things that keep us going. So you can think that, um, or picture it this way, that your body has an overhead of fat, meaning like an essential amount that it needs to hit all the time consistently for you to continue to function. And we hear this a lot when someone says, I can't lose these last five to 10 pounds. Or maybe you've heard a friend say that. Well, if they're really taking in a lot less calories and especially they're cutting out fat, your body has to hold on to what it has. So imagine losing your job. You're going to hold on to the money that you have because you have overhead that you need to cover. You're still going to have to pay your rent, your electric, gas, phone bills, whatever it is. You can't get rid of those things. So you're going to hold on to what you have. If you cut your body off from fat, it's going to do the same thing. So this is where the calories in, calories out, it really falls apart. And you're not going to see those changes by either carb starving yourself, getting rid of fat, or just going on a very low caloric diet because your body's ability to burn calories is going to start to drop down and normalize too. A hundred percent. I think it was in like 1950, it was Dr. Ansel Keys did this big study on fat and we can just say it went viral and he had no control over it because he was trying to say, you guys are misinterpreting the data. And he was talking about how sugar and all these other things are actually leading to these high cholesterol, but it already blown up and it was hitting newspapers and doing all this. And it really started this revolution of the low fat diet. And that's 
what, 70 years ago, and we're still fighting it today. So we really need to educate the whole population. We're still seeing patients every day that are scared to death of fat, and they should be scared to death of bad fat, but the good fat is what we actually need to function. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up. We're talking about good fats, and what does that mean? Your good oils, your avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, avocado itself, healthy fats, the fats that we find in our pasture-raised meats, things like that. We're not talking about fried food or all those other negative fats. Those are going to be unhealthy for us, so we'll be clear on that one. (laughs) Yes, we need to kind of break them down each. Um, Well, I guess when it comes to consistency, I think people are, I guess consistency could mean so many things, but really understanding what that timeline is, like how long do you actually have to be consistent to see those results that we want? So when it comes to seeing, um, we'll we'll talk a lot about dropping weight, but uh, overall we're talking about making changes in our body. Say that you're consistent on a diet. And for the uh, context of this conversation, what Pat and I usually refer to as a healthy diet without knowing you as an individual is going to be pretty much low to no added sugar. We want to avoid most processed foods and pretty much cut all of those out. And then we want to have a lot of lean protein and vegetables with every meal. Plus the good fat. Plus good fat. Yes, correct. So if that's what we're taking in, we could expect that in a week of being consistent with that, you could probably drop a pound. And that's kind of where we want to be if we're looking for a long, sustained change. I'm not saying you couldn't drop fat a lot faster. And if we do um, calorie restrict ourselves, in a week or two weeks, you could see a big drop. And we see this with like professional fighters, right? Cutting before a fight or something like that. We can make drastic changes in our weight with our hydration and how much we take in. But we're talking about our long-term like consistency. So in one week, we could expect to drop probably a pound. Some of the first changes though that you're going to see, and maybe within that week, you might not drop a pound, but you could expect to feel like your skin is looking a little bit better. You might be sleeping a little bit better and definitely having better digestion if you've cut out a lot of negative things. If we take that forward, two weeks is where you could start to see maybe less joint pain and actually feeling better in your body that you don't have little aches and pains or just the way you kind of get around feels easier. Uh, also you could see a change in your blood pressure at that point. If we stick with a pound a week, then you're down two pounds. If we push this out to 30 days, better fitting clothes, definitely some changes with your weight, feeling better with digestion, definitely more energy. We expect to see some more weight loss and it shouldn't be very linear that it's just a pound a week. At some point we should see this kind of creep up a little bit and 30 days is an appropriate time for you to really ramp up your exercise or build a exercise routine as well. And this isn't for everyone. Some people, if they're already more conditioned and they're making some changes, they may pick up exercise right from day one. So when I say these uh, changes or how much weight we drop, this is really independent of exercise without having a big exercise routine. So we can definitely go up from here, but we'll kind of say that pound is a good baseline per week. Now the fun part, if we get out to 60 days, So ballpark two months, you could be about eight to 10 pounds down. And then that's where you definitely have better day-to-day function. And your diet at that point should feel a little more automatic to you and less of uh, something you have to really, really work on or um, should feel like less of a chore. 
I'll put it that way, that you actually enjoy the intakes at this point. <laughs> it's your lifestyle now. You don't have to think about it. This is just what you do naturally. And that's what we want to lead most patients to. We don't want them always just thinking, thinking, oh, I got to do this, do this. It just becomes natural. It's part of their daily activities, we could say. Yeah, you don't want to feel like you have to, I'm air quoting, eat a certain thing so you can feel a certain way. Over time, and when we do this consistently, you feel that difference of how much better you feel. You should be inspired to do that. And if you were to go back to those old habits of eating, you feel how negative some of those foods affect you. You're not going to want to do that anymore. Yeah, well, um, we keep on using the word consistency. So let's take a step back. What does like a consistent diet look like? We'll start with, I can start with myself actually Mm -hmm. and kind of go into what you do as well as what we expect from, we'll say, the general population. Yep. You know, I took really good care of myself, and we'll just say in the last, you know, well, 10, 10 years, where I've got to a point where I'm very comfortable, I'm pretty consistent on my diet, we'll say about six days a week, but I have a little bit of a leniency. I don't want to call it a full cheat day. My cheat day does not consist of a full 12-pack of beer and eating that cheesecake plus the burger, but I do have a little bit more leniency. But I believe and I feel that I deserve that. My body has worked its way up to this point where it can handle that. Other patients or when we're talking to clients, I think they struggle with that because they're like, ooh, ooh, I get a cheat day too. I'm like, no, you haven't reached that point. You want to stay consistent day to day and don't give yourself that little leniency yet because we need to get you to a point where your body is able to handle that. And I try to really educate my patients on that and kind of the principle behind that, that you would need to work your way to have that goal or to have that ability. Yeah, it's... um very individualized. And that's a really good point that people might see something online or they read an article and, oh, this person eats X, Y, Z. And you use that to justify you being able to. And we really have to back up and say, is my body at that point? Or should I really, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not that close to my destination or I'm not really at my like kind of destination body. Whereas Pat said, if he were to, you know, six six days of really good is allowing him to have maybe a meal that isn't exactly what he would normally eat with no guilt and not see a detriment in his body because he's already at a place where he, if he's adding in those extra good, so to speak, he can afford a little bit of bad there. You know, if this was a point system and it's every good choice is a one and a bad choice is a 10, if you're really in a negative spot, it's like, We've built up a hundred good choices in a row to afford you one bad choice. That's going to bring you back to a 90. It's like one choice brought you down to barely being an A still. So we have to judge where, where are we at and how much buildup do we have? You know, for Pat, if he's feeling like really good about where he's at, he's a 97, 98, and he adds a couple to that. It's like, great. He's at 110, brings himself back a little bit. Still an awesome passing high A grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the next one, and this is where we see a lot of people struggle. They're starting to get really consistent, but all of a sudden something happens and they just fall off the wagon. Where do you see most people, including yourself, you have any examples? Um, well, I know you have some analogies, but <laughs> where do you see people usually ruin that consistency where they lose that kind of motivation or step? Um, you know, if someone, uh, maybe you go out to eat is a good example. Um, and typically with friends or family, so there's some inherent uh maybe not peer pressure, but you want to fit in and you want to be doing what everyone else is. And that's where it might come back to you where you're like, man, whenever I usually am at this restaurant, this is what I get. So it feels very foreign to not order some of those foods that you have, or maybe order a beverage. 
And I think this is where people fall off. And rather than making like one bad choice or a little bit, it's like, okay, I got, I went for like the steak salad or like uh, a protein and veggie that's healthier instead of something like deep fried or whatever else is at the restaurant. And they make that choice. Uh, it doesn't mean also have several beverages and also have the dessert and also have the worst appetizer. So we could maybe get by with one, but people, uh, once it's like, well, since I'm doing this, I'm going to do everything. And the other thing, uh, and that same reason people fall off is it's not working. So I might as well stop. And we just shared that timeline. You know, a lot of people, I think they expect that eight to 10 pounds really quick. And that might take up to 60 days for you. Again, I said this timeline is a little more expanded because that's independent of exercise. And that's where we can really notch this up. But mm -hmm. I would say two big ones people fall off is instead of falling into a temptation just a little bit, which, you know, we want to help you avoid those, of course. But it's kind of like make the best worst decision instead of going all for it. It's like if you slipped up a little bit, that's going to be a lot easier to mitigate rather than fully committing to eating really bad since you made one poor decision. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people get on this role, but they might be living in this perfect habitual world, which isn't going to happen all the time. Something's going to come up. You know, there's right. choices in life. There's a, there's events. There's, oh, there's another birthday party. I got to go to this wedding or I'm going on a vacation. But we see people all the time where they're, they'll mention this. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I got to go to this wedding and then I'm going on a trip with my family in two months. I'm like, well, you were two months away from that. You're telling me you can't plan for that. And so it's being aware and making sure it's like a part of your schedule. So nothing surprises you, even just going out to dinner with your friends. If you know you're going to do that in two days, you can go online. Menus are everywhere. You can pre-plan it. So you're not just sitting there staring at this menu and going straight for the fried food. Mm -hmm. You've actually thought it through and it just becomes, I guess, more natural. You're actually thinking through things instead of just going about it. And that's where you can just make a slip and then you continue to fall down. Yeah. It's always easy to, um, just carry out a plan, then be reactionary in the moment. So and we'll touch on this more, but this pre-planning is really key. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, well, I think we talked enough about diet, but let's break it down to the next big thing. We talk about this a lot when it comes down to how important sleep is. It affects so much of our life in the negative or in the positive way. Depends on how you utilize that because it has so many benefits. But a lot of people just kind of, they're struggling with sleep. They don't, you know, they know that... They need it, but they can get through it because we have these things called coffee and energy mm -hmm. drinks. But a lot of people just kind of wait until that weekend to really kind of catch up. They're like, oh, just go through Monday through Friday, grind away, and then, okay, I'm going to sleep in on Saturday and Sunday and just try to catch up. Does that actually work, Sam? Um, <laughs> as much as it feels like it does, we can't really catch up, so to speak, on our sleep because the damage is done in, the, in each moment. You know, each day that we're underslept, You've already kind of done the damage in that that time. We missed out on repairing our body. We missed out on um, digestion, on cleaning things out, on internal repairs, on making better connections when it comes to learning. So we can't really catch up in that sense. Does it feel good sometimes to have that longer day's sleep after you've had a couple short ones? Yes, but we're not truly catching up. I'm air quoting here. Um, so that's why it's really important to push to be consistently getting that amount of sleep that we can well We're supposed to, to i should say supposed to um well what are some things that you can actually do to make it consistent or to get that consistent good high quality sleep 
I see um, uh, a big thing that we miss out on is people giving themselves enough time to get the amount of sleep that they need. I think that perception is if we go to bed, you know, uh, if I'm bed in bed at midnight and I'm waking up at eight, that's eight hours of sleep. But that's not true. We don't consistently sleep through the entire night, even if we feel like we do. Uh, both Patrick and I wear what's called an aura ring, which tracks your sleep. And it gives you a lot of interesting um, information that you can look at, including your body temperature, where's your heart rate at, how long did it take you to fall asleep, and then how do you go through those different stages of sleep. So that can be really uh, revealing. And I know for me, when I first got the ring, that that was revealing to see some of those days you feel like you never tossed or turned or anything and you didn't get that great of a night's sleep or you were, you slept very lightly instead of getting into some REM sleep and some deep sleep. Um, there's an interesting stat from a book uh, both Patrick and I have read. It's called Why We Sleep. And he shares that if we were to have 10 days in a row of what they call short sleep, so they consider that six hours or less, because ultimately for adults, we want to be seven to nine hours. So if you have 10 days in a row of short sleep, your mental function is equivalent to someone who's been up for 24 hours straight. And when we are in that type of state or when we're underslept in general, it doesn't have to be this 10 days straight through, your willpower is going to be a lot lower. And we've been shown to crave more foods that are very fast acting. So your sugary foods, your carbohydrates, those things that are convert to energy really quick as opposed to having some discipline to stick to maybe what is a new diet for you or a new way of eating. Yeah. It's uh, people always get to Friday and they're like, Oh man, it was such a long week. Like it's the same exact week. Actually it's the <laughs> same time hasn't changed, but maybe your sleep habits or the quality of your sleep, it's been building up. And then when it finally hits Friday, you're just like, screw it. I'm done. I'm just tired. I deserve something else. And I think that's what a lot of people go through. But when they start their week off right, or just say start their life off right, and actually starting to get that quality of sleep, it exponentially builds upon itself. You're going to feel like a better human. You're going to have more energy. You're going to think clear. You're going to make better decisions. But it goes in the reverse too. You have that one bad night of sleep. You may try to catch up, but it's not always about that. It's trying to be consistent. Because remember, consistency is key. Um, I guess what you mentioned the the scheduling, like making sure you can try to schedule out your, uh, your time. So you're getting the mm -hmm. proper amount. What's one more thing that people can do to really help with their consistency, um, with sleep? Uh, one, well, one little hack that we like to recommend so that we can kind of more naturally stick with, uh, or I guess work with our body when it comes to sleeping is when we finish our dinner for the night, right after that, do all of your cosmetic things that you would do before bed. So whatever that means for you, if it's take out your contacts, wash your face, brush your teeth, um, you know, mouthwash, whatever it is, do all of those things. So now when you kind of relax for the evening and it is important to have a wind down time, more clients that we see struggle to fall asleep because of their mind, as opposed to their actually like body not being tired. So if we do those things now, when you get a little bit sleepy on the couch in your chair, wherever it is, you can just head straight to bed. Because so often people get a little tired and then you go into the bathroom, you turn on those bright lights, brush your teeth, wash your face. Those are all wake up type of things. You know, do mouthwash where it's like very, that wakes you up. And then you go lie in bed and you're staring at the ceiling. You're like, well, I was tired a couple minutes ago. So that's one way where we can more naturally kind of harness your body's kind of wind down and take advantage of those hormones that are being released and go right to bed. 
instead of kind of rewaking yourself up. The other one is if you find yourself being one of those people where you're like, yep, that's me. My mind is always racing. Very simply taking a piece of paper, keeping a journal by your bed, whoever you want to do this, but maybe writing out a couple of things that you're going to do tomorrow or that they're already planned. Because when you do that, it's proving to your brain that, hey, Patrick knows about this tomorrow and he already has a plan. I can rest. I don't need to try to figure this out consistently. and I don't need to keep reminding him, hey, don't forget about that meeting tomorrow. Don't forget about this. Don't forget to pack your bag. Don't forget to do this. And if you have that written out as a simple checklist and you kind of let it out of your mind, that's going to really help you um, stop continuing to like ruminate or um, process those things. Yeah, you're taking out surprises because no one's ever been surprised and said, I need to go to bed, right? <laughs> Surprise wakes you up. So if you're right. pre-gaming or pre-planning everything, you're a little bit more less anxious, which is a good thing for sleep. Totally. All right. I love this next topic because people focus on exercise so much, but we just mentioned diet. We just mentioned sleep and all these components really work together because if you just have one, you're not going to get those results. As you mentioned with that, um, that diet study that you were talking about in the beginning, Yeah. when you combine it with this exercise and then you combine it with good quality sleep, you're going to get even better results on that timeline that you reckoned. So let's talk about it. What can we expect when it comes to I guess the results or like expectations with your fitness or your exercise routine when it comes to consistency. Yeah. Um, let's kind of break down to say we do with a diet. What's realistic. So with a workout, um, if we're being really consistent, you can expect to gain about one to two pounds of muscle in a month. And you're going to see strength changes faster than that. You probably feel better faster than that, but that's realistically where we're going to be putting on the muscle. On the same, or I should say on the other side of that, is our muscle can be lost in about two to three weeks as well. So if you're consistent for a month, but then we take a month off from the gym, you're basically back to your baseline. You're back to zero there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, I guess what can people, I guess, let's slow it down real quick. What do people usually do similar to their diet? Where do you see people fall off on their consistency with those exercise or fitness routines? Uh, similar to the diet where it's, Hey, I, you know, I worked out today. I earned this piece of cake and it's not the one workout in bad food out. Like we said with a Patrick example, you know, multiple good decisions to allow for one bad one, but also depending on where we're at. So when it comes to the workout itself, um, that's that again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Lost where are people fall that. off? Uh, where are they falling off? When it comes to the workout, um, I, what I think is, Typically, people have a good intention of, you know, I'm going to go to the gym X, Y, Z days. But then when it gets to the end of the day, they're like, oh, man, I was tired or this came up. So I think people mostly fall off by not having a plan that they can hold themselves accountable to. What we recommend all our clients when we coach them is on the weekend. So on your Sunday, look ahead at your week and figure out where your nutrition and where your workouts are coming from. If you put that in your calendar, uh, like for Patrick and I, we have a schedule of treating patients. If that's on my calendar, that my workout is the very end at the end of my treatment day, then mentally when I'm looking at my day, I'm done when I'm done my workout, not when I'm done my last patient and then making a choice. Should I go work out now or should I go home? And that's when that little voice in your head is like, oh, Sam, you worked pretty hard today. You don't need to push it at the gym. 
It's like, you've already sweat, whatever it is. Um, everyone has that different voice that's speaking to you, maybe giving you the reason of not to do it. Right. But if that's in your schedule, you're like, I'm not done until that's done. But also making sure you make the time for it. Cause you might look at your schedule and realize like, Oh, I forgot I had that meeting before work. And then I have this after, and then we're going to dinner. If you're not going to make it that day, maybe you need to rearrange the days a little bit or you need to choose a different workout and we'll talk about, um, you know, different workouts for different people and how we can make that work. Yeah. Well, I guess let's just lead right into that. People do try to schedule things out or they make excuses because they just don't know what to do. What do you believe is the best form of exercise for just staying consistent? Um, that's a great question. It really depends on what our goals are, but I believe in having some variety. Um, I, you know, when it comes to longevity, strength training is, has a ton of research to show how important it is for our bone health, for producing our hormones, and uh, kind of move, keep our body moving in the right direction. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's very true. So I think strength training has to be a component for everyone. And then we have to do some type of cardiovascular activity as well. So whether that is some type of high-intensity interval training, uh, personally, that's something I lean towards a little bit more because I like the efficiency of it, and I prefer kind of the high-intensity. I think that's probably your strongest like stress reliever to really push the body and get the blood pump in. It's hard to be worried or nervous about other stuff, and especially if you do hard cardiovascular activity. It is not when, <laughs> when you finish that, you're not naturally thinking about eating bad food. Typically, you're craving water, and that's about it. So from a mindset, I think that builds in better. But everyone's going to be a little different. That cardiovascular activity might be biking. It might be um, you know, doing some runs on the stairs, or you might choose to do some longer kind of distance-style running as well. But I think that should be uh, spread out and mixed in with these other activities. It's not your only form. So to kind of bring that all back to one short answer, we want to have some variety. But we also want it to be something that's fun for you, that you look forward to. If you're dreading all the activities, that's going to be difficult, and we might need to work into this. So don't um, go from kind of zero to 60 on the workouts. If we haven't been doing something consistently, you know, don't expect to pick up that, you know, new episode of Men's Health, and whoever is on the cover, that's like that A-list actor who just stuck on a roll, and they added all this muscle, and think that that is the exact workout you should do. Because they didn't start from exactly where you are and to jump into that. It's been a process. Yeah. I mean, you look at all those different marketing or ads for whatever different special type workout that guaranteed to get it. If you look at it, really, all of them say, do this, this day, do this, this day, do this. They might be different varieties, as you were talking about, doing more resistance training. But the main component of it is it's consistent. Right. And they do. A lot of them say you're guaranteed to get results. There's going to be differing results from each one of them, but all of them have one key component. They're consistent. If you're doing that, you will see some type of result. Just get it into the routine. You don't have to focus on what's the best workout for me right now. You can hopefully identify that somehow, some way. But the biggest thing is just do it. Yeah, we kind of... um or I at least say this to clients a lot, if we're struggling to get a workout in, um, or maybe they have a lot of days that kind of fit that example of, I said of, you know, early to late at in the day, they're very busy and fitting in, going to the gym physically is going to be tough. You can be really efficient in 10 minutes. And if you don't believe me, just run at a moderate pace for 10 minutes. Like for most people, that's going to be a considerable workout. You can choose two exercises, whether maybe jumping jacks and push-ups. Set a 10, set a 10. Do as many as you can for 10 minutes. 
that is going to be difficult. And choosing different exercises like that, or maybe at your house you have a, um, some weights available. You can do that weighted, you know, do um, squats and bench press or pick two exercises, but push yourself for those 10 minutes. I guarantee that is going to help you feel a lot better. And maybe this is a better answer to Patrick's question about like, where do people fall off? This isn't an like inherent built in excuse of, well, I couldn't make it to the gym for an hour. So like, why even go? And I promise you that that 10 minutes of exercise, although you didn't burn as many calories as you would over a longer duration of time, we can still burn a significant amount, number one, in a short period of time. Number two, you're still making sure that you release the right hormones. So we're still stimulating that hormonal release that's going to help us in making the changes that we're trying to. You're going to guarantee that you exhausted your body to some degree so that you can sleep. So it's really helping perpetuate a lot of the positive effects and kind of this positive feedback loop. So don't negate that five to 10 minutes of really pushing yourself um, and discount that because it can make a really, really big difference in the big picture. A hundred percent. And that's a great transition. Like what happens, not just with exercise, but all three components that we're talking about, like what happens if you miss a day? You know, you were talking about some ways that you can navigate navigate around some mm-hmm. barriers, but what actually if you just miss a day or you do have that cheat day? Yeah, so when it comes to forming habits, if we do have like a little mishap, that's okay. It's not going to completely derail you from forming a new habit, but what we would really encourage clients to do is identify those patterns. So if you're, for example, you're doing great through the week, And then it comes to Friday and it's a happy hour with your close friends that you always go to. And you're like, you know what? I was doing pretty good. Um, I was okay with not drinking, but those fries hit the table and my hand just instinctively reached out. And then after a couple, I was like, well, this isn't so bad. Kept going. And that leads into what we said. Instead of one bad choice, it's like we really went full bore. So we want to identify things like that and try to create a habit around it. So in that example, it's like, okay, maybe before you go out with your friends, I want you to do a little bit of exercise. We're going to have some veggies before you go. So we're already full. Um, Or maybe you potentially fully eat before you go. And then you're just meeting up with your friends. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're going there to do anyways, is enjoy the time with the people that you want to be around. Um, But to kind of bring that back, identifying patterns, and then create a new strategy instead of Every single time I get to this, you're just using your willpower. It's like we need to make a strategy to make it easier. That's great, Sam. Um, Well, I guess we're talking about consistency. How long do you actually have to be consistent to just make it a part of your lifestyle, to make it where it's just normal? This is just who you are. I'm really happy you asked that because just like Pat said in the beginning about that study of uh, weight loss and it got kind of mixed around what people were thinking about fat. Something very similar happened when it comes to creating habits. And probably a lot of people have heard it takes 21 days to create a habit. And this actually came from Maxwell Maltz. He was a surgeon before he was an author. And he just made an observation that when they did some surgeries where people um, maybe had a limb removed, such as an arm, a leg, that it took about 21 days for them to not experience what we call phantom limb syndrome. So still thinking of having that appendage there. And that's all he said. It took as little at, or up or 21 days was our baseline. Let's put it that way. But that got shortened down to be, it takes 21 days to form a habit. And then everyone out that does motivation or any type of goal setting really took to that. However, 
in more recent research, it's a lot more like two months or they say about 66 days to be exact, where something goes from a conscious thought to make this a routine to being more automatic. Um, I use this example with clients when we talk about sugar. If someone eats sugar all the time, Patrick and I are very low sugar intake. If I meet someone who eats sugar all the time, and by that I mean like multiple cans of soda in a day, um, no consideration for not having it in any of their foods as far as like it's in their ketchup, it's in every single thing. If I take that away from them, I'm like, hey, as your healthcare provider, sugar's really bad for you, I don't want you to eat that. Day one, they're going to feel terrible. And they're going to think I'm the biggest idiot that's walked this earth. Like, I can't believe he's a medical professional. You're telling people not to do this. I felt worse. Well, the fact of the matter is you've created such a neurological connection to that that when we take it away, your cells have got so used to this fast-burning energy that they will use every little battle cry they can to get your attention, to go get that um, food again, to have sugar. Whereas if you force-fed Patrick and I a couple sodas, candy, all the sugar, we would feel equally as bad as that person. And truthfully, they will feel those things as well if they can get to the 66-day mark or somewhere around there when we reintroduce some of these foods or they experience them, that's where they actually feel some of those negative effects. So it's hard sometimes to convert yourself and push over to that other side of the spectrum. But this is why it's so important to be consistent. And one of the biggest things that we see to help you be consistent You just have to have a strong why. You have to have a reason that you're going to do this. Um, And I say uh, to the clients that I coach, you have to get married to that future you. So whatever, uh, and I will talk at length with people about this because it has to stick for them. And whether that is being married to what does that future you look like in the mirror? Maybe what does that future you look like to your spouse? What does that future you look like for your kids? It has to be a really strong tie. So that future you, maybe that means being able to walk your daughter down the aisle on her marriage day, right? And you need to, you want to look good in your suit. You want to be able to to walk because you've had pain in your body. So that's pushing you to do that exercise. Whatever it is, if that was it for you, that tie has to be stronger than that fistful of French fries. Yeah, you see that all the time. It's when people's wives are very passionate those stories about the revenge body they're trying to you know they need to get back <laughs> at their boyfriend those are some of the most motivated human beings on the world because their why may not be in the right reason right purpose or reason but it's so strong compared to someone that lacks days like oh, i should probably lose a few pounds because i look a little thicker or you know oh i know my blood pressure is up a little bit that is not a strong why it's a good one actually but they need to have a little bit more passion to it right um, an easy example, think of like professional athletes. Um, I'm going to say football players cause they're kind of the biggest of all the athletes and look at as a percent, how many of them are in amazing shape compared to the average person. Amazing. Right. And we look at that and say like, you know, they're just genetically, they are who they are. Many of these people didn't grow up that much different than you or I, but their consistency, that why of when you are around athletes of that same caliber all the time. That's a really strong why if you want to reach like your career success to continue to push because you know even a day off one missed workout compared to your competition could really be the difference of getting to where you want to be. 
So athletes can be a great example of like, wow, that person's so driven. You think of like a Colby Bryant getting in three workouts a day. So he's always outpacing his competition, always getting better. There is no stay the same. We're either sliding back or moving forward. So finding that for yourself, we're not all professional athletes, but what is that thing that we can do? So when you come up against that bad decision, it's easy for you to say that is silly for me to do this and derail myself from where I'm trying to be. All right, Sam, we talked about a lot. Consistency when it comes to exercise, your sleep, your diet, overall quality of life, your lifestyle. In closing, what's one takeaway that our listeners can use to get moving today? The most important thing for all three of these is just planning. It's taking the time and having a strategy. Just like wanting to get somewhere financially in our life, we can't just wish that in to our bank account. We have to have a strategy so that we're investing the right way. We're paying down things the right way. We're spending and we're earning the right way that all aligns with where we're trying to go. If we pre-plan, we can get all three of these things to work and change our trajectory and kind of put us to where we want to go. Thank you so much, Sam. And thank you to the listeners. Once again, this is Dr. Patrick Ucarola and Dr. Sam Wad with the Fix Medical Group. We'll see you next week.